So we've been talking about the glorious church, and in particular, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. Last week, we finished off our discussion on the vocal gifts, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Today, we will begin our discussion of what is known as the revelation gifts, and we will discuss the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. But I want to start with our, our foundational scripture, Romans three twenty three. In the New King James Version, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you've heard me say this, but I think it bears repeating. Most of us grew up in church looking at that scripture from a negative perspective. We concentrated on the sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I was reading this years ago, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, that verse has more to do with the glory than it does with the sin. We all sin and we miss it from time to time, right? Thank God for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? And we've all missed it. But it's more than just missing it every once in a while or falling to sin every once in a while. To fall short of the glory of God really is to fall short of the way God sees you live in your life. Because that word there, glory, if you study it out in the original language, it means the viewpoint, the expectation, or the point of view, or the perspective of God concerning your life. We don't see ourselves the way God sees us. God sees you as an overcomer, a mighty warrior of God, kind of like Gideon. Most of us are down in the wine press hiding from the enemy, and there's an angel saying, Hey, mighty man of valor. And there's a conflict there between the way God sees you and the way you see yourself. If you're going to become a member of the glorious church, you need to rise up and see yourself in the glory that God ordained for you before the foundation of the universe, before time itself existed. Amen? So really, I think in the most succinct way that I could put it, to fall short of the glory of God is to fail to become the man or woman that God called you to become so that you reach the people He called you to reach and do the thing that He called you to do. Amen? And we don't want to do that. It's up to us individually and collectively as a church to rise up to the glory that God intended for our lives. That's why it's called the glorious church because the glorious church is clothed in the glory of God. Amen? Isaiah 60, verse 1, 2, and 5. It says, Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That's talking about the church, the New Testament interpretation of that Scripture. That's talking about the church, the people of God. The light is coming, and the glory of the Lord will be risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness, that doesn't mean like, ooh, gross, that means really heavy darkness, the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and His glory shall be seen upon thee. In other words, the glory's coming, and if you'll rise up and let that glory clothe you, other people will see that glory. And then go on down to verse 5, it says, And as a result, if you will walk in the light and the glory that God intended for you as an individual, and, and we collectively as a church, this is what's going to happen. 
Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea, that's talking about the unsaved multitudes of the world, shall be converted unto thee. They'll be born again. They'll be saved. And the forces or the wealth of the Gentile nations shall come unto thee. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see that in the world. Amen? I'd like to see the multitudes of the unsaved nations come to Jesus, and I want to see that transfer of wealth that we've been hearing about for decades because it takes money to fund the gospel all over the world. Amen? Glory to God. Paul declares in Ephesians 5.27 that Jesus is coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, a holy church without blemish, a church, in my opinion, that has not yet arisen. Amen? But we're about to arise, and this church is going to take its part in the glorious church beginning now. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Mm. Praise you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 and 19. I love this. Paul says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now he's talking about temporarily, he's going through some tribulation, some tests and some trials, but he's looking to a future time when the glory of God will be seen in the church. And he says here in verse 19, he says, For the earnest expectation or anticipation of the creature or the creation waiteth for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. Amen. So the whole world is literally aching for you and I to rise up and be the glorious church that God called us to be. Amen. We must manifest or reveal the glorious church that all of creation is eagerly anticipating. Amen. Now, there are four things we must do to become the glorious church. Number one, we must walk in the authority that Jesus delegated to the church. Number two, we must walk in the power that Jesus has given to the church. Number three, we must walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate to the world that God is real. Number four, we must walk in the love that has been so lavishly poured out on us And that's the most important. If we don't do this in love, our faith won't work and the gifts won't work. Amen. Amen. The gifts of the Spirit are an expression of God's love to people who need to know that God is real and that He loves them to the core. It's not just so you can show off like some parlor trick. God is interested in helping people and that's why He uses us from time to time in the gifts of the Spirit as the Spirit wills. Amen? So we're going to continue to discuss number three today. We must walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit that demonstrate to the world that God is real, that He's alive, that He loves people. He knows where they're at, and He knows exactly what they need. Amen? If we're going to be that glorious church that God has called us to be, we have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and learn to operate in the gifts that accompany that experience. Amen? It's not an option. As the British would say, it is mandatory. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost if you're going to become the person God called you to become. Without that power, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry if that upsets your denominational ox cart. 
But you must be born again and you must be filled with the Spirit to realize your fullest potential. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, and then verse 7 through 11, lists the gifts of the Spirit. Let's read through it. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now that's pretty plain. God does not want you ignorant. He wants you to know and understand the gifts of the Spirit. If you don't understand what the gifts of the Spirit are, how can you learn to operate in them? Verse 7 through 11 lists the gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It means it's for the common good. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now the thing I want you to understand There's a lot of gifts mentioned there, nine gifts total. But the Word of God says they are all coming from the same Holy Ghost, and that Holy Ghost will distribute them to people as necessary as He wills. Don't try and manufacture a gift of the Spirit. It won't work. You'll only make yourself look silly, and you'll only feel foolish when it's all said and done. Amen? I know, because in the early days when I was learning to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, I manufactured a thing or two, and it wasn't pretty. But I learned from my mistakes. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, it is helpful sometimes to gain a better understanding of the gifts of the Spirit if we categorize them by function and characteristics. So, Full gospel, spirit-filled teachers have come up with three categories of gifts, with three gifts in each category. And it begins with vocal or inspirational gifts, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. Then revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And then power gifts, gifts of healings, gift of faith, and working of miracles. So why are they called vocal or inspirational gifts? Because all of those gifts involve speaking, encouraging, and inspiring people. Amen? All right? Why are they called revelation gifts? Because they impart revelation to you that you had no way of knowing except it be imparted to you by the Spirit of God. Then power gifts are simply that. They are a release of God's power. Amen? So we've been talking about The vocal gifts. Now we're going to transition to the revelation gifts. And in particular today, we're going to speak on word of wisdom and word of knowledge. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 8, you find these two gifts listed. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Now, why does the scripture say the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom? Well, I think it's very instructive And it's a way to learn what this gift is all about. The word of knowledge, not all knowledge, just a parcel of knowledge. The word of wisdom, not all wisdom, just a piece or a parcel of wisdom. Just like a a word is part of a sentence, it's a piece or parcel of that sentence, but it's not the whole sentence. It's the same way with the word of knowledge and the word of of wisdom it is a parcel of knowledge given to you that you had no way of knowing otherwise word of wisdom is the same thing the only difference between the two is word of knowledge 
is past or present tense things, and word of wisdom is future tense. And we'll get into that, show you some uh, scriptural examples, and I'll share some personal examples. All right, amen. Hallelujah. The word of knowledge, and I'm going to read this definition to you that comes from Brother Hagin's teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. The word of knowledge involves things that currently exist or things that existed in the past. It is knowledge of present tense or past tense events that are revealed to us supernaturally by the Spirit of God. Amen. So let's look at some New Testament examples. Sometimes the word of knowledge manifests through visions. This is this was a, a an epiphany to me several years ago that the gifts can manifest through various forms, dreams, visions, audible voice. However they come to you, you need to learn to recognize them for what they are. Amen. Hallelujah. The vision of Ananias who was told to pray for the Apostle Paul is a great example. Acts chapter 9 verse 10 through 12. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Amen. In this case, Ananias, who, by the way, was just a layman. He wasn't an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. He was just a layman. And the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said, I've got a job for you to do. Go to this street and go to this house and you'll find a man there named Saul of Tarsus. I want you to pray for him that he be filled with the Spirit and receive his sight. So that's a word of knowledge because it involves a present tense reality. Something about the condition of Paul, who was called Saul at the time, and exactly where he was located. Word of knowledge. Amen. Later on, we're going to read some scriptures after that and find out that uh, word of wisdom was also in operation here when dealing with Ananias and with Saul, who became Paul. But we won't go there yet. So, word of knowledge is past or present tense. Amen. Sometimes the word of knowledge manifests through an inner revelation. I call it a knowing on the inside. Some preachers say it like this. I know it in my knower. There's just a knowing about something about someone. It just kind of comes up. Okay. And I think that Jesus encounter with the woman at the well is a great example. John chapter four, verse 16 through 19. Now, if you know the background, this woman came to the well at an hour when nobody else was there. In that culture, the women came to the well in the morning, in the evening. She's coming some other time, and she's there by herself. And so Jesus already knows in the natural there's something different about this woman. She's not coming out here with the rest of the women. Jesus said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The, women ans- the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that setst thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. In other words, Jesus, as we would say today, just read her her mail. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. And she's like, Whoa. I perceive that you are a prophet. 
Now, Jesus, I believe, I don't think he saw a vision. I just think he had a knowing. He saw the woman in the natural. Something's wrong here. She should be out here with the women in the morning or in the evening. Uh, but I'm going to dig a little deeper. And I believe that when Jesus got closer to her, the Holy Spirit said she's had five husbands. And the man she's living with right now is not her husband. And so he spoke it. And it ended up being the key to revival for that entire area. Amen. See, word of knowledge is not just for a parlor trick. It's to help people. It helped this woman realize that God was real and knew exactly everything about her and wasn't judging her and wanted to give her some living water, not condemn her. See, the gifts of the Spirit are to show love to the people who need it the most. Amen. Hallelujah. The word of knowledge can manifest through other gifts of the Spirit because they often work in combination uh, tongues and interpretation and even prophecy can be laced with words of knowledge and words of wisdom. They can manifest through uh, angelic visitation as when the angel appeared to Joseph and told him that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Amen. How'd you like to be that husband? Matthew chapter one, verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm sure at one level that set his mind at ease, but at another level he was like, what are you talking about? But at least he knew that he didn't have to stone his wife. Not that he would have done that. The Bible says he was minded to take her away privily and deal with it in a, in a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? In an austere and uh, discreet manner, okay? But then the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. There's nothing going on here. She's telling you the truth. She is conceived by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Again, that's word of knowledge. It's a present tense reality, and he just wanted Joseph to know exactly what happened to Mary. Hallelujah. Let's talk about an Old Testament example. 2 Kings 6, verse 9 through 12. This is awesome. Has to do with the prophet Elisha. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there not once nor twice. In other words, it happened a number of times. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, we got a spy in the house. What is going on here? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. In other words, Elisha's tuned into the spirit and you can't get away with nothing because the Holy Ghost is going to show him what's going on because he's the protector of Israel. So every time the Syrians would make a strategic move, they would move their army in a, such a way to gain an advantage over the nation of Israel. They were able to outfox the Syrians because Elisha would tell them exactly where they would be and what they'd be up to. And it happened a number of times. Amen. So much so that the king of Syria was very frustrated. Amen. This again is word of knowledge. This is where they are, and this is what they're planning. Amen. Glory to God. So, let me share a personal example. 
in the early 90s. This was probably 1992 at Living Word Worship Center in Minden, Louisiana, where Trish and I attended. And we were worship leaders, and then we were youth leaders in that church. And I uh, had the opportunity to preach from the pulpit fairly often. And this particular Sunday night service, uh, we did a healing service. And I talked on the will of God concerning healing. God wants you well. And that night, I mean, the altar was full and people were receiving instant manifestations that night. And I was just riding high because I was laying hands on people and they were getting healed. And I was Shandai Bakata. I was like praying in tongues in like three or four different dialects. And I was quoting the word. And man, I thought, nothing can stop me now. And I came to right about here and there was a young lady there. She was about 26 years old, and she said, I've been deaf in my left ear since I was a child. And so I put my hand on her, and I'm like, quoted like three or four healing scriptures and said, be healed in the name of Jesus. Nothing, flat, nothing happened. Nothing. Now, mind you, I mean, the first lady I laid hands on had impacted sinuses. So much so, she was scheduled for surgery to go in there and scrape them out. I put my hand up, and a spark of electricity, or at least what felt like electricity, came off my hand and hit her on the head. And this was a large woman, mind you. And she hit the floor before the catcher even knew what was happening. Boom! She got up, ran back to the back, and I didn't find out till later. She said, Brother Scott... I got back to the women's bathroom and put my head over the sink just in time for all of that stuff to drain out in about 25 seconds. She was almost instantly healed. So that's how it started. So I'm telling you, I'm riding high, and I get to this one lady, and I, I just prayed everything I knew to pray, confessed every word I knew to pray, and nothing was happening. And all of a sudden, I heard the Lord say, it is a spirit of infirmity. If you don't deal with the spirit, she will not be healed. And I'm arguing with the Lord. Now, Lord, I want to preach here again. And you telling me to start casting out devils in Pastor Bill's church. And he was insistent. He said, if you do not deal with the spirit, she will not be healed. He said it three times. After that, he quit talking to me. Listen, when Jesus tells you something three times and then he doesn't say anything, he's waiting on you to obey. So what did I do? I said to myself, well, all they can do is run me out of town on a rail. I'd rather be obedient to Jesus. So I took my right finger and I stuck it in her left ear. Now, why did I do that? Because I saw a healing evangelist do that one time. Now, be honest with you. But all of a sudden, I heard myself say, you foul spirit of deafness in the name of Jesus. Come out. I said it like that, only a lot louder. And she looked at me. Her eyes got wide and her ear popped wide open. She heard for the first time since she was a little child. Because I dealt with the root issue, a spirit of infirmity. Now, I believe that this was word of knowledge. The Lord telling me that this spirit of infirmity was at work now some people think that's a lower level of discernment and that's okay uh, but discerning of spirits i believe at the highest level is where you actually see the spirit you know that word there discern means to make contact with the eyes to identify with the eyes okay praise the lord
So word of wisdom and word of knowledge often work together. Let's revisit the story of Ananias and see what we can learn. Acts chapter 9, verse 10, all the way through verse 16. Hold on to your horses, buckle your seatbelts. We're going to read some scripture. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Amen. So I want to stop right there and submit to you that first passage of Scripture is word of knowledge in manifestation. It was about Paul's condition. And it was about where he was located. It was present or past tense. Okay. Then if you'll notice as we read on, he receives a word of wisdom from the Lord. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, listen to this, go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You see, it started as a word of knowledge, and then it included a word of wisdom about the future ministry of the man who was then called Saul, but would one day be the Apostle Paul. Isn't that cool? So word of knowledge and word of wisdom often work together. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Word of wisdom can come in many forms. The word of wisdom, just like the word of knowledge, may come through an audible voice, a dream, a vision, a prophecy, or even a tongue and interpretation. Acts chapter 27, verse 23 and 24. The setting here is Paul is on his way to Rome with a Roman contingent that are there to make sure he gets to Rome. Well, they get out on the high seas and they they get into some really bad weather and it gets so bad that the scripture says there was no hope that they could be saved. No hope. Okay. And an angel appears to him in a vision here in uh, Acts 27, verse 23 and 24. And Paul declares to the rest of the seagoers that the angel has spoken to him and that everything's going to be all right as long as they follow the angel's instructions. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. In other words, you're still going to Rome You're not going on this ship because later on he says the ship will be lost. But if you follow my instructions and do this exactly the way the Lord has laid it out, every man will be saved. I'm giving you every man on that ship with you. And I believe it was over 200 men total. And every one of them was saved. That means there was a plank of wood or something set aside for every man because they, they, they cut the ropes and they let the lifeboats go. So all they had was like fragments of wood or whatever there was floating in the water to make it to the shore. So isn't it interesting that the Lord made sure that every one of those 200 plus men had a piece of wood or something that would support them to get them to the shore. Amen. Glory to God. But anyway, that's word of wisdom that came in an angelic visitation. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll wrap this up with a personal example. The night before I resigned my last church, an angel appeared to me in a dream. 
He showed me that a venue had been prepared and that everything we needed would be provided to start this new work we call Faith Life Fellowship. The very next night, the same angel appeared to me again in a vision and counseled me not to allow a negative transfer of what had happened at the previous church to flow into this new work. It was amazing. He sat on the little black love seat across from the couch that I was sitting on, and he had a conversation with me. And he put his finger out like this, and he said, Make sure you don't allow any negative transfer of what happened to you before to flow in this new work that God has called you to. Amen. So here is a word of wisdom coming to me about this future venue, which is where you're sitting right now. This place had been prepared for me and that everything would be provided for us to start this church. And that's exactly what happened. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, I remember most of the time that things like this happen to me that are supernatural because, you know, I've been prone to supernatural visitations dreams and visions for 30 plus years of my life. It's just part of my life. And I have learned over the years that you have to be grounded in the word of God or else you're going to, you're going to be deceived and you're going to get flaky. Okay. And no one knows this better than my wife because most of the time, 99% of the time, she's the first person that hears when I have some kind of supernatural experience. She's the first one to hear about it. And she's always quick to point out, well, what does the word say? And you know what? It doesn't bother me a lick because I know that if it's a legitimate experience from God, it'll be verified by the word of God. Amen. It'll be confirmed by the word of God. Listen, don't be afraid to ask the Lord if something like that happens to you, Lord. I need a scripture confirmation that what happened to me is from you. He doesn't mind you doing that. And so... She said, I got to see it in the word, baby. I know these things happen to you, but I got to see it in the word. And I remember in the conversation, we're sitting on the couch. I turned and I put my hand up in the air. I said, you heard the lady, Lord. So sometime later, I'm just reading in my everyday, normal, daily reading. I didn't like flip the Bible and let my finger fall somewhere. And this is the word of the Lord to me. You know, I don't do that. That's flaky. I was just reading in the book of Genesis in my daily reading. I have a plan that I follow, just like some of you. And I came to Exodus 23, verse 20. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. I about jumped out of my chair. I was like, praise God, that's my word. The next chance that I had to share it with my wife, she said, that's okay with me. An angel appeared to you. That must mean that everything's going to be provided just the way the angel said. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo, glory. Let me conclude by reminding everyone that no matter how God speaks to you, whether it's through gifts of the Spirit, dreams, vision, even audible voice, everything has to be channeled through what I call the Rosetta Stone of the Word of God. And if it's not, and if it can't be, you can be easily deceived. Amen. Next week, we'll get into discerning of spirits, and we'll talk about that in depth, and I'll also share some personal experiences along those lines. Amen. We believe in God the Father. 
We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. 